Now we've looked in detail at the model prayer given by the Lord in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, and it's time to move on in our study. We've already looked at verses 14 through 17 in a previous message, so we're going to skip down to verse 19. We're not skipping over verse 14 or 17, you just have to remember that we've already covered those verses. So notice in verse 19 through verse 21 this morning, familiar verses which say, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now from the time that we were but just infants, we have had a tendency to hold tightly to that which we most value. Just watch a little toddler at this point. Remember little children, and maybe some of you still have some of those children or grandchildren around. They may find a piece of paper, or they might find a plastic dish or a dirty old hat that catches their fancy, and just attempt to pry it loose from their grip and you'll meet with loud cries and anguished bellows, and we laugh at the little, the little value that that little baby places on something that holds no value to us. But the problem is that maturity of years does not change the attitude of the heart. It only moves to different treasures, all of which must be weighed in light of eternity. Now the kingdom of God extends beyond what we can see and record on our calendars. Kingdom life stretches beyond this life into eternity. And for this reason, Jesus Christ demands the kingdom citizens not resemble the world in the attitudes of the heart. And unlike the world, kingdom citizens are to measure every motive and ambition in light of eternity. But you know what? We struggle with this. We have been delivered from the power of darkness and the God, and God hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, but we still live in this world. We've been placed in the world as salt and light, but our whole way of thinking must be renewed so that the world does not squeeze us into its value system. Just check. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not, tra uh, be not uh, be transformed, uh, but be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. In other words, don't be squeezed into the world's value system. And our Lord's exhortation calls for an action that was uh, in progress, and it came to a screeching halt. Rather than storing up treasures on earth, we are to store up treasures in heaven. You know, worldly ambition has a strong fascination for us. The spell of materialism is hard to break. And so we must recognize that kingdom citizenship calls for a radical shift in our values. We cannot treasure what the world treasures and still look like a kingdom citizen. Jesus moves from addressing hypocrisy in religious practices 
to the values we hold in life. Kingdom citizens are certainly not to be like the citizens of this world in good deeds and giving and praying and fasting. But just as importantly, kingdom citizens must not be bound by the values of this world. (coughs) It's at this very point that our testimony of the gospel proves to be genuine or hypocritical. That which we value most, that which we treasure the most, mirrors the affections of our heart. The question is, where is your treasure today? And I want you to consider with me how our treasures are to reflect the values of God's kingdom. Notice, first of all, treasures express what we, we deem most valuable. Treasures express what we deem most valuable. What do you treasure? I believe that's a valid question to ask a Christian. We know that the pollsters have known have shown that the moral practices of professing Christians and unbelievers are vir- virtually the same. Carelessness in our morals has diminished our influence upon the world about us. But so has our attention to our treasures. And it's therefore vital that we understand what Jesus had to say about the, what kingdom citizens find to be valuable. Notice the implication, first of all, the implication about treasures. And the text is quite simple. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Every person listening to this sermon, when Jesus gave it, understood what Jesus meant by treasures. It was certainly not that his first audience had much of this world's goods. Many of them were so impoverished that they barely had clothes on their backs and wondered where their next meal might be found. Poverty was endemic to the first century, and yet Jesus spoke of treasures to his audience. Why? Because everyone has its, their treasures, even the poor. Treasures consist more in the affections of the heart than what one can hold in their hand. Our Lord was excluding no one from the matter of treasures. But we must clarify that Jesus was not banning possessions. He wasn't saying, you can't have any possessions. Scripture never condemns having things, but only loving things above the interest of the king. Nor is he forbidding Christians to save and to store up resources for future needs. The Bible commends this practice by using the example of the ant who wisely uh, works to gather food for the future. Neglecting providing for one's family is tantamount to infidelity, according to Paul in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8. And so we are not to despise, but rather to enjoy the good things that our Creator has given us richly to enjoy. And so we first of all see the implication about treasures. Secondly, we see the nature of treasures. What does He mean by treasures? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. 
Now the text literally states, do not treasure up treasures for yourself on the earth. And we get our English term, thesaurus, from the Greek word, treasures. A thesaurus is a treasure chest of words and phrases. And here the treasure chest is in our hearts. It is that which we hold dear in our hearts. A treasure is that upon which you place your affections and your attention. It is that which you value above other things. It may be money, but it's not limited to money. It may be possessions of every kind, but it's not limited to our possessions. It could be your reputation or your honor or praise that you receive from others. Treasures can be held in the hand or simply stored in the mind. And we could call it materialism that tethers our hearts to the earth. We could call it our attitude toward our possessions. It is not what a man may have, but what he thinks is his wealth and what his attitude is toward it. We could call it what man reckons they have as their highest good. There they have tied and there they have fixed. We could call it whatever each man thinks is best, that which he most eagerly strives to attain, that which he most dreads to lose, that which he, if he has, he thinks he will be blessed, and that which if he has not, he knows he will be discontent. And so when we think of treasures, we must not limit it to what we have in the stock market or in the bank account or in a hidden in a safe someplace. King Saul's greatest treasure was what others thought about him. He wanted to be honored before men before having approval of God. So his whole attitude and his behavior was tethered, if you please, to his honor and reputation, and in the end, he lost all of it. Achan, remember Achan? He valued a Babylonian garment and a little silver and a little gold above the commands of God. So he took what was banned in the conquering of Jericho. But it proved to be perilous, not only for him, but the whole nation of Israel. Because Achan treasured things more than he treasured obedience to the Lord, and he ended up losing it all. Again, what do you deem most valuable in your life? Is it some prized possession? Maybe it's a painting on the wall or an expensive outfit or maybe it's a vehicle or maybe it's a prestigious degree or a lucrative position or maybe it's a particular circle of friends or a desire for attention or a longing for recognition of your accomplishments. You can recognize your treasures by that which you think is most important to you that which you believe you cannot do without, that which brings you the greatest pleasure and satisfaction, that which you think most about. You might give up other things, but you're not going to give up this thing because you treasure it the most. So treasures here express what we deem most valuable. Secondly, treasures exist temporarily and eternally. Treasures exist temporarily and eternally. Treasures are not necessarily evil in themselves. 
It is, not, or it is the improper value that we place on the treasures that cause them to be illegitimate for a kingdom citizen. It is that which so ties us to this world that is bent on rebellion to God and loosens our hands from the plow of, of obedience that gives treasures the wrong values. I want you to notice some of the types of treasures. Jesus centered his word upon areas that his audience found most valuable. He said here again, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Now garments were so valuable in the first century that they were passed down from, as a part of the inheritance. You know the hand-me-downs? Well, they were very important at one time. Today, in our society today, hand-me-downs are not quite as important as they used to be. The wealthy would indicate their importance by having their garments stitched with a golden strand. But Jesus reminds them that even a single moth can ruin a valued garment. What about rust? Rust literally means eating. It conveys the idea of decaying or corroding or consuming a product. The word was often used of stored grain being ruined or by decay or eaten by vermin. It also could refer to some metal object held as a treasure being destroyed by rust. Some folks in, went to France and they did some hiking in the early morning of a, up a mountain to an ancient Roman community known as the Nangus. There were some ruins scattered over many acres as they neared the top of the mountain, and it was a community that once thrived with homes and businesses and the pride of these Roman citizens, but now they are left in ruin. But it was ironic that someone had driven a car to the top and left it, obviously not the Romans. And there, nestled among the Roman ruins, is a rusted and corroded car and a lesson of both the ancient and the modern world, and how they treasure, and what they treasure, eventually comes to ruin. If rust or vermin or time can affect it, then that treasure is temporal, and it's earthbound. And then Jesus speaks of the valuable stones and the gems being hidden in the house, only to have thieves break through and steal. Now the hardened clay of the ancient homes made it easy uh, to have thieves with sharp digging tools make their way into the home. All they had to do was chisel a hole in the side of the house and make their getaway with the family's valuables. Some would hide their valuables in the center of the house, away from the exterior walls to insulate their possessions from the breaking and entering. But they lived in fear that what they held most dear to them would be taken from them. Again, let me ask you, what, is, what are your treasures? If there's anything in this world that is everything to you, then it's an earthly treasure. And if you thought about that lately, as I considered these verses, I searched my own life and I considered what, what was it that I was treasuring? And listen, this is a very hard thing for some of us to think about, isn't it? Maybe you have the best CD or movie collection that you that could be known. 
Has that become a treasure that's tethered to you to the world? Maybe it's your athletic or musical abilities that have taken over your heart's most valuable list. Or perhaps it's your looks or your hair. If you had some. Or your physique. Or your voice or your personality that you treasure more than anything else. And if moth or rust can destroy it, if thieves can break through and steal it, if the passing of years can diminish it, if a change of circumstances like, say, a tornado or a fire can wreck it, then it's a treasure that you are storing up here on this earth. And Jesus assures you that it will not last. Kingdom citizens must learn to treasure up lasting treasures. Notice secondly here, the destiny of treasures. The destiny of treasures. Notice that Jesus explains two destinies of your treasures. On earth and in heaven. Now, the first one implies loss. It's temporal. It'll not have a place or a value in eternity. Does it mean that it's wrong for a kingdom citizen to own or possess things in this world? Now, that's an interpretation that was embraced by the monks in several traditions, so that they ab abandon all ownership of anything for the solitude of their monasteries. But Jesus is not condemning the possession of owner or ownership or even enjoying what God has provided you in life. What He does is to help us to exercise clear reasoning about our possessions. It's okay to have a house. It's okay to have clothes. It's okay to have a vehicle. Even money in the bank, that's okay. Just as long as those things do not become your focus in life. Now, how important will those things be in a hundred million years from now? Now, if you use eternity as the measuring stick to help you gauge the value of what you possess, it will enable us to have a clear perspective of where possessions and positions and perceptions fit in our lives. We spend endless hours worrying over possessions when in the grand scheme of things, those possessions will not be with us in eternity. Our treasures may cost more than the sock or the rock that a child thinks is so valuable, but in light of eternity, they are just as valueless. Now, on the other hand, there are some treasures we can store up for ourselves in heaven. These are things that the world does not value. Job rightly declared, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I re return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has, hath given away, or taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in terms of things or possessions of the world that Job lost, that is exactly correct. Yet Jesus tells us that we are to store up treasures in heaven. There are those things that are of lasting value that Christ transfers from earth to heaven on our behalf, such as treasures, such treasures can be eternally secured. So we see treasures express what we deem most valuable. Secondly, we see treasures exist temporarily and eternally. But thirdly, treasures establish our security. Treasures establish our security. We tend to find our security in the wrong places. 
And the more we gather possessions in order to feel secure, the more we feel we need uh, them in order to be secure, and the more we need to guard them to maintain our security. And therefore, the less secure we are, and what our Lord commands us to focus our attention upon is the right kind of treasure so that they will be secured for all of eternity. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, But lay up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Notice, first of all, the right kind of treasures. The right kind of treasures. How does one define treasures in heaven? Well, the opposite, treasures on earth, point to the transitory or that which is centered on the earthly or that which finds its value only in relationship to the world. Treasures in heaven point to those things that have a lasting value that transcend the grave and remain forever. Paul gives a clear explanation of the right kind of treasures in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17 through 19 where he says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy that they do good and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now it's very clear here, I believe, that Paul is not condemning the rich for being rich. But rather his concern is when a person has much of this world's goods, fixing his hope or his fondest affections or his love upon the riches, that's the problem. His point is that whatever we have, God has graciously provided it to enjoy in relationship to Him. Instead, the rich person is to find greater riches in good deeds of generosity and of service, meeting the needs of others, sharing what he has to alleviate, uh, alleviate suffering, so it is the attitude toward one's riches that determine whether it's going to be an earthly treasure or a heavenly treasure. Now some helpful examples might be this. And our Lord's command to store up treasures in heaven includes many things. But some examples might be the development of a Christ-like character. Since all that we take with us to heaven is ourselves. Have a Christ-like character. How about the increase of faith, hope, and charity, which uh, Paul says all three of them abide. How about growth in the knowledge of Christ, whom one day we will see face to face? How about the active endeavor by prayer and by our witnessing to introduce others to Christ so that they too may inherit eternal life? How about the use of our money for Christian causes, that which is uh, which is only the investment whose dividends are forever. They're everlasting. All of these are temp uh, temporal activities with eternal consequences. I think this is very important here. When Christ calls upon us to do, what He does call upon us to do is not something outside the realm of possibility, but rather we store up treasures in heaven in the day-to-day -day faithfulness that we exercise in our relationship to Christ. It involves our disciplines. It involves our relationships, the use of our financial resources, the use of our energy and our time, 
the exercise of, exercise of our spiritual gifts, the acts of service toward others. Even if we give a cup of cold water in the name of Christ, we give that unto Christ. It's not merely a nice act on earth. It's an act weighted with eternal consequences. And so we see here the right kind of treasure. Secondly, we see the right sort of location. The right sort of location. National boundaries or the ticking of a clock or the pages of a calendar do not border our lives as kingdom citizens. It says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that gives us a broader dimension to the way we live and the way we use our time and in the things that we value. Treasures in heaven last forever because it is a place where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Earth is affected by sin and the effects of the fall, so moths and rust do their destructive deeds, eating away of what people hold to be value, and thieves ply their sinful deeds in stealing whatever they purpose to take. And the work of moths and rust gives evidence of a degeneration affecting all creation that began in the fall of man. Thieves display the propensity of the human heart for greedy and selfish purposes. That's an evidence of sin. But treasures in heaven cannot be affected by any act of sin or consequence of the fall. The eternal outshines the temporal any day. And it's the poor bargain which exchanges the eternal for the temporal, regardless of how much tinsel is used to make the temporal more attractive. And notice thirdly, the right kind of purpose. The right kind of purpose. To lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven implies we live to, we seek to live with a different worldview than our counterparts in the world. We live with eternity in view. We live with the knowledge that one day we will stand before the Lord to give an account for our lives. And even for every idle word. It means that we avoid investing our time and our lives in those things that center entirely upon the world. Now, obviously, we still have to dust the furniture. We still have to mop the floors. We still have to take out the garbage. But even those things, we are to do our work heartily as unto the Lord. We are to view the jobs that we hold or the schoolwork that we're doing as opportunities to trust the Lord and do it for, uh, for His glory. And in this way, even the mundane takes on an eternal value since it is offered to the Lord in service and worship. Now, I believe that this is one of the most critical issues that a Christian needs to get a hold of. It sets kingdom citizens apart from the citizens of this world. It's what makes you different from the other person in your neighborhood or on your job that's not a, not a Christian. We live by the unfolding of God's providential governing of our lives. He has placed us where we need to be, having provided jobs and relationships and schools and thousands of other issues that we daily face. But how do we approach the mundane issues of life? As sometimes we call it the daily grind. Do we seek to do all that He's placed before us as acts of service? and stewardship unto the Lord? 
Let's be sending treasures on ahead to heaven that will stand forever as a part of our inheritance. So our Lord tells us to store up for yourselves those treasures in heaven. So we've looked at the treasures and how they express what we deem most valuable. We've looked at treasures exist temporarily and eternally. Treasures establish our security, but fourthly, treasures echo the affections of the heart. Treasures echo the affections of the heart. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The clinching reason that Jesus declares for storing up treasures in heaven is right there in verse 21. If we value our relationship to Christ and eternity in heaven above all the earthly joys, then we will live with an eye fixed on eternity. Paul applied this thought to the Colossians when he said, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3, 1-3. And I want you to know as we look at the echo of the affections of the heart, notice the masks of the heart, the masks. So often we can mask what we, what's really taking place in the heart by acts of service. Sometimes we may be doing good deeds, we may be saying the right things, saying spiritual words, but the heart, as he uses it here in verse 21, is a term that Jesus used and implies the seat of all powers of the soul, both intellect and sensibilities and will. The heart is used for the whole inner man, the core of our total being, the wellspring of all that we do. So when Jesus speaks of the tre- where your treasure is, He means that whole of your being is wrapped up in your treasures. And so we can try to mask our heart, but eventually the truth of what we treasure will remove that mask. It happened to the rich young ruler, you remember? and to Paul's missionary companion by the name of Demas. Everybody thought he was a Christian, but his heart gave him away. The reason that treasures act like a mirror to reveal the heart, we will see this truth about ourselves in the things we treasure, and so will everyone else. Of course, so does the Lord. And so there's the mask of the heart, but then there's the mirror found in treasures. So what does the mirror of our, your treasure say about your heart this morning? What are the things that consume your thoughts? Or what are the things that maybe even consume your energy? Or your finances? Or your affections? The things we treasure actually govern our lives. What we value tugs at our minds and our emotion. It consumes our time with planning and daydreaming and an effort to achieve. But where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Are these things weighted with eternal value? Even good things can become evil if we value them as ultimate treasures of our life in the place of eternal treasures. It is as as if he said, It would be a strange thing and less than worthy of them if their souls would sink to the level of earth when their treasure is really in heaven. And as I said, this sometimes can be a very difficult thing to think about. Because we are a people who tend to accumulate 
And we accumulate things more and more and more and more. And sometimes we even build more and more buildings to hold all that we accumulate. Or we rent storage places to put up all of our treasures. Where are they going to be in a hundred million years? Where are they going to be in eternity? They're going to be gone. It's a heart-searching text. And that one we cannot absorb in a short time that we've had here this morning, but it is one that we must not shrug off. And I urge you to think about what this message has said and what these few short verses have said. Sometimes we become familiar with verses like this so much that we forget what they really mean. We must hold our treasures up to the measuring stick of eternity. What do we look like, what do they look like when they are viewed in this light? And we need to repent of the idols of the heart that have crept into our treasures and let us be steadfast in treasuring those things that will be waiting for us in heaven. Again, it's not wrong to have things, it's not wrong to have possessions, but what's your attitude toward them? What is your focus in life? Is your focus here on this earth or is your focus on heaven? Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your teaching to the folks many, many years ago when you lived here on earth. And we thank you, Lord, for the fact that we can continue to think about what you've said to that first audience you're saying to each one of us this morning. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for putting things in perspective for us. And now, Lord, we realize that as we contemplate, as we think about, as we consider what we've heard this morning, that we must perhaps make some decisions in life. We may, must perhaps change our focus in life. We must make sure that where our treasure is, that we know that that's where our heart will be as well. Lord, help us to treasure those things that will be laid up in heaven for us. Help us to use and enjoy the things that you've provided us by your grace and your mercy for your honor and for your glory. And help us to realize that perhaps we need to get rid of those things which are not for your glory. Or at least we need to change our focus. We need to change your attitude about them. Perhaps they're consuming some time that could be better used for thee. Perhaps they're cons uh, consuming some, some finances that could be better used for your work. Lord, whatever the need is this morning, whatever the situation is in the individual heart this morning, I pray that the Spirit of God would do His work in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, even though it's a very difficult time uh, decision sometimes, we pray, Lord, that by your grace and your mercy, you'll help us to make the right decision. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.